Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Rico, and uh, right alongside each and every week, of course, is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. We're already past the midpoint of uh, October, slowly creeping up a little fast for my liking to November, and uh, I don't know where this year has gone, but it just seems to be moving by, but... Uh, other than that, I'm in a pretty good uh, mood today, so we're going to have a great show. We've got a very special guest coming up in just a, a little bit. Uh, actually, we're going to be welcoming, welcoming back uh, Nancy Henderson, the uh, president of the LPGA Foundation and uh, the chief teaching officer for the LPGA Teaching and Club Professional Membership. So she'll be joining us the second half, and of course, Cindy and I will have a great discussion uh, to start the show off. But let me just remind everybody, of course, we are live every Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Uh, easiest way to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com and up in the search key, type in Women of Golf, and uh, you can listen to us there live on Tuesday mornings. And, but for some reason, if you can't join us, you can just scroll down the page to the on-demand section, and you'll see all of the previously aired uh, shows there uh, in their entirety, including today's uh, after the, the broadcast. Uh, you can also listen on a couple of other uh, mediums, which is iTunes.com and Stitcher.com. If you go there and under the podcast section, again, just type in Women of Golf and uh, you'll be able to listen there as well. I always love to hear from you. You're welcome to call in during our live Tuesday morning broadcast. The number to call is uh, area code 347-945-5855. Or if you want to reach out to either Cindy or I, uh, you're welcome to do so. Our emails are cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and mine, of course, is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. So you're back in – Cindy was just telling me off-air, guys, that uh, she's actually – officially back at Buffalo today. So how come you're home today? You've been on the road so much. Are you just taking a break or just getting, getting back to, uh, to a little reality and saying, I got I to gotta get back to my roots? <laughs> Excuse me. I need to get back to my roots. Um, yeah. So it's nice to be here, and it, it actually feels like fall today. It doesn't normally feel like – it hasn't felt like fall. It's felt um, – very, very, very warm. So today it's a little bit cooler out. It's probably in the 50s, which is nice. So I'm going to go for a brisk walk when we get done, and then I'm teaching <laughs> later today. Very good. Um, you know, Cindy, I know that you travel a lot, and it's not always easy uh, basically living out of a suitcase. Um, but um, So it's obviously nice to, to come back home. Uh, for a little bit of a break, even though you don't really actually take a break, you do a lot of teaching and and uh, other uh, corporate events and things like that when you're at home, I know. So, But uh, welcome back to Buffalo. Um, Cindy, we're going to have a, an interesting discussion this morning. 
I actually titled it 20 questions, but there's not actually 20 questions. Uh, it was just sort of a play on, on something that, um, that somebody said a while back. And these are kind of questions that have been asked, um, I'm sure, of a lot of teacher professionals. Uh, I'm another or certainly very similar questions. So I just thought we would sort of tackle a few of these. There's about five or six of them here, so it should pretty much uh, cover our first segment here. And, and the first one, um, this gentleman actually asked me uh, this particular question a few years back, and I thought it was kind of an interesting one. And his question was essentially this. He says, does everybody have the ability to reach a plus handicap if they put their mind efforts toward it, uh, towards it? And is there any sort of physical <laughs> characteristics of a golfer uh, who sort of falls in that category? And obviously, um, Cindy, a lot of our, our top players sort of fall into that, you know, off the LPGA or, or even the PGA Tour. Um, and... You know, a lot of people want to know how do you how do you get to that level? What does it take physically, and 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 what are some of the other things that that you need to do to really get to that? So just share a few of your thoughts, and then I'll uh, put my two cents in as normal. Well, I d no, not everybody can reach a plus handicap. I mean, you know, let's say you've got a eighty year old grandma who's never played a sport. You know, she could practice every day right. until she dies, and no, she's not going to become a plus handicap. Um, on the other hand, can everyone improve? Absolutely. So I believe everyone can get better, especially if you put your mind and effort and body and soul into it, but uh, become a plus handicap? No. How about you? No, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I think that, you know, we all have great potential, um, to do just about anything that we, we set our minds to. But the, the reality of it is players that fall into this category um, are, are literally even less than the top 1% uh, in the golf industry. And, you know, the, sort of the second part of the question is, are there any physical characteristics of, of a golfer such as that? Well, no, because, um, you know, we've seen golfers like Anian Woosnam, who's relatively short or Gary player. And then we've seen other players like uh, Ernie Els, uh, um, Tom Seekman, uh and, and some of the late Michelle, Wee, of course, who very tall players. So there's no real, you know, magic formula, if you will, as far as physical characteristics. However, most of the players, um, and, and I use this term loosely because I think people misunderstand what the term actually means, um, but are athletic and that doesn't mean they all have to have great biceps and be in, you know, six-pack stomachs and things like that. It means that they're physically athletic, they're very uh, agile in their movements, and they're just very, very good shape overall. And I That's think not that true. you – Well, I mean, within reason. I mean, within reason. I mean, obviously there are certain exceptions to the rule, but I think that in today's game, I think it's more applicable than maybe what it was uh, in before. What, why do you disagree? This is going to sound terrible, but I have a son who's probably 40 right. pounds overweight, who's a plus three or four or five. Now, is he a good athlete? Yes. Was he a hockey player? Yes. But, and does right. he work out? Believe it or not? Yes. But, but he is not, I mean, if you saw him, you'd go, he can play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the answer is yes, right. he can. So, so, again, I don't think, and you've got some people, i, I got to tell you, my husband can't catch a ball, and he played on the tour for 15 years. 
So right. I think you have to have the mindset. I think you have to have the will to work. But I don't believe that you really have to um, be a great athlete because you don't. Right. Yeah, and, and that's why I said it's kind of subjective because – there are obviously a lot of exceptions to the rule. I think it certainly can help a little bit if, if you are. And, and again, when I say good shape, that you have to be the ideal weight for, for your height or, or anything like that. I just think that you have to have some athletic ability, much like you described your son having. I mean, he may um, not be uh, weight to ratio for his height, may not be the perfect weight, but he has some athletic abilities, um, certainly in some areas uh, of his life. So, I think that certainly is a factor that can help, but it's certainly not carved in stone. I, I, and, and just to go back to the original question about being able to reach um, that plus handicap, I, I would say the answer is no. I think people can have the potential, but you have to have the drive. You have, to have the willingness to get out there and work. And these people that do achieve that, for the most part, again, there are always exceptions to the rules, Cindy, I think that people have to be willing to put the time and effort uh, into becoming a better player, um, even to come close to that. Uh, would you at least agree with that part of it? Oh, absolutely. You have to be willing right. to work. Nobody now, gets some, to be really good at golf without working at it. Well, you know, and there are some people that don't get out there and hit a thousand balls every practice session and just have a you know a God-given talent. But uh, I think to get to that type of a level of, of, uh, handicap, I think you do have to be willing to put some, um, some serious time in it, uh, to become a better player. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're just going to keep struggling along the way. Now here's sort of a question. And I just sort of threw a number out there because it's kind of, you know, in the middle a little bit. Um, the next question is, is if you could suggest one thing for an 18 handicap golfer, we can throw in 25 handicap, you know, 15 handicap, whatever, uh, to work, on in order to improve his or her game to lower their handicap uh, but yet still enjoy the game more what would it be what would be that one thing do you think um I, you know i would ask them why are they an 18 handicapper you mm-hmm. know if they can people that are 18 handicappers are pretty good you know they can hit the ball Right. And what would make their game more pleasurable? Do they need to hit more fairways? Do they need to get it up and down? You know, it, there's a difference between I'm having fun or and I want to get better. So I would ask, you know, are you enjoying playing? And what would mm-hmm. make it more fun? And typically they would answer, if I could do this better. That may not be the case. Right. Though. Maybe, I, I don't know. You know, so... So having more fun doesn't mean you're hitting the ball better or worse or putting. You know, having more fun could be I want to play with people I like instead of playing with people I don't like. But getting better is a different question. So I know now I'm being subjective, but I would ask them both of those (laughs) questions. Define fun. What do you, well, you know, do you need to change your thoughts? I think that the first thing that I would ask somebody, regardless of their handicap, um, is first off, what is their goal? You know, going back to what you always say is the why. Why are they there in the first place? Um, And once you understand that, 
then you can match up how they prepare to achieve that goal. In other words, if somebody wants to be um, a 10 handicap and there are 25 now, what are you doing to achieve that goal? You know, are you just going out once a week, uh, you know, every sort of willy-nilly practicing? Um, you know, you need to make sure that your actions match your goal. So in other words, if you just want to be somebody who goes out and has fun, doesn't care what you shoot, then just go out whenever you feel like it, you know, whenever the mood hits you and you want to go and have a good time. On the other hand, if you want to, you know, win your club championship or maybe you're a junior that has aspirations of playing collegiate golf or something like that, uh, or maybe one day ending out on, on a tour, um, then you need to take a look at how you're preparing to achieve that goal. And I think that once you match those together, um, you know, anybody can go out and have fun, but I think that you'll have a better enjoyment. But if you're doing, if your goal is one thing and you're doing something that's really not conducive to, to meeting that goal, you're not going to enjoy it. You're only going to become frustrated. Absolutely. What do you think? Right? Um, and I well, think that again, that, that's and it's funny lot- that you say that because I'm teaching a guy right now who came in who was on life support, was trying to do something that wasn't working, and looked at me and said, I can't believe it's that easy. He goes, why don't I do it all the time? I said, well, nobody does. So I think, you know, if I used him as my avatar, I would say, you know, what are you trying to do? What do you believe is the right thing? Does that work? If that doesn't work, then we have to change something. How much are you willing to work at this? Because he went back out and played. He goes, holy cow, what a difference. Now, but I can't do it all the time. Well, Nobody does, but we could do it more often. So now we have to stop and say, okay, do you have a pre-shot routine? Do you know what you're thinking? Do you know how to plan a shot and prepare to hit one and then produce a shot? So what I suggest is they do the Own Your Game Academy throughout the winter, which includes a, a disc behavior profile and a learning style profile and the mental golf from Golf Psych to really, really, really look in the mirror to be able to fix what they're doing and and make a new plan. And so you're right. You can't just say, oh, I want to get better and practice and hit balls once a week. It's funny because we teach a lot of kids. Speaking of Nancy coming on talking about the kids, we teach a lot of kids. And um, the girls, a lot of these girls just finished playing high school golf and they all made sectionals, which is great. So now that the season is over, okay, what's your goal for next? Well, I want to make sectionals or I want to make states. Okay, what do we need to do to make states? Well, i got to break 90 every time I play. Okay, is that what you did? So you have to keep asking questions. And then Alan said to them, well, how many days a week are you hitting balls? Oh, a couple. Well, how long do you hit balls? (laughs) Oh, 20, 30 minutes. Okay, so clearly – your want and your work are not matching up. Right. Do you realize how much you need to practice to get what you're looking for? And right. I believe that's, that that's, that's what I'm most about. people's issues. Yeah, the, the want and the work are not matching. Yeah, and I think that's probably where 90% of the, our, our amateur golfers fall into is they're not, you know, they, and, and this is why I always go back and say they have unrealistic goals based on their actions because – 
they go out there, they want to hit the ball straighter, they want to hit it further, and they want to do this, that, and whatever, you know, have a, a better short game, but they don't put the effort or the work into it in order to achieve that. They think that, well, if I, if I can get a Band-Aid or a fine fix um, to help me achieve that goal, and this is the problem in golf today, is everybody's looking for this quick fix. They're YouTube and every video they can find, you know, they're, they're reaching out to, you know, a thousand different people to get their opinions uh, on how they can do it. And the problem is that the messages are so confusing. And really, the solution is, is actually quite simple. Uh, I want to move on to the, that. That was a, some great, uh, great commentary on that one. I think that that's a, a question that really needs to be asked a lot. Um, the next one is sort of falls in, a little bit in line with that, Cindy, and that is what is the biggest mistake that you see um, from amateurs on the golf course and how can they rectify this? What some of the, what, what's, obviously I'm sure there's more than one, but what generally big mistake that you see that a lot of amateurs make on the golf course? <laughs> I don't think they think. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they just get up and whack away and then go, why did it go there? Well, did you line up? Well, I thought I was. I, I don't believe they know what they're doing, most of them. I think, mm-hmm. I think most people think you aim with your shoulders and not the club face, and they wonder why the ball goes right. Well, that's where you're pointing. So, again, I yes. don't believe they take accountability and responsibility for guess who's holding the club. And if they stopped and thought about it, they could get better without a lesson. Right, right. Um, I I agree 100% with that. I think also another thing, too, that I see very common, and I won't say this is the biggest mistake, but this is a big mistake. And that is a lot of golfers do not swing within themselves. And I'm going to clarify that because somebody might say, what are you talking about? Um, when you see a lot of the, the great players uh, on, on the tour, they all kind of look the same, but in actuality, they're not. Some have a little quicker tempo. Some, like, and I'll use him as an example because he's probably one of the best that I can think of, but uh, an Ernie Els has a very slow, smooth swing. Freddie Couples is another one. Then you get somebody like a Rory McIlroy, uh, you know, and uh, maybe even a Michelle Wee or, or some of the other great ladies out there have – different styles uh, in how they um, or different tempos rather than how they, they play. One of the problems that I see with a lot of amateur golfers, Cindy, is that their tempo doesn't fit their own personal rhythm. Whereas they see somebody on TV and they try to emulate their swing. And the problem is that pace or that tempo may not match their own personal rhythm. So that's what I mean by not swinging within oneself. They get out there, they, you know, get lined up and they're ready to hit the shot. And they think, okay, I got to swing like Rory or I got to swing like, you know, Tiger, or I got to swing like so-and-so. And the tempo does not match their own personal body rhythm. And what ends up happening is they try to murder the ball or they maybe in some cases swing too. I don't see too many of them swinging too slow, but most of them try to hurry or rush the pace and it's not in sync with their own uh, body rhythm. And what ultimately ends up happening is then they get out of sync. Now suddenly the, um, you know, the body's not in proper uh, sync and, and instead of the legs you know, leading or the upper body leading in, in certain parts of the swing, uh, it's all over the place. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you're right. I mean, people swing out of their shoes 
because mm-hmm. they don't understand. All you have to do is turn on the TV and watch the LPGA tour. I mean, I, yeah. I, I watch them and I go, what? They're, they're skinny, they're little, and they kill it, you know, and, and they don't yeah. even look like they're trying. So, so again, most golfers, men especially, should just turn on the LPGA tour and watch a few holes to, and, and watch and listen to how far they hit it, and then they'll go, whoa, I'm not swinging that smooth. What am I doing? You know, so, right. yeah, you're absolutely right. People try to kill it, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, and there's a lot you can learn uh, by doing that. You're exactly right. And, I, and I'm not trying to take away from the guys, but I, I think, you know, a, a lot of the young guys on tour and that, you know, are, are interested in, in creating more distance, and we all want a little extra distance. But I think that, you know, if you're swinging to the point that you're pulling yourself out of your shoes, um, then you're not doing yourself any good. And, and I think that's one of the big mistakes that I see a lot of amateurs make is they're not swinging within their own body rhythm. Rhythm, excuse me, is probably a way um, to do that. And the only way that you can really find your rhythm is out on the practice tee, don't do it out in the golf course, and just, you know, slow it down. Swing at 50% uh, of your maximum speed and then 60 and so, and just kind of work up until you get into a comfortable rhythm where you're not losing, um, not just the rhythm, but you're not losing the sequence uh, of the golf swing. When you start getting uh, out of sequence, you're swinging too fast. And so slow it down. And I think, like you said, Cindy, by watching some of these young ladies, just how effortless they make it look um, with what appears to be very little power, but yet they're hitting it a mile. There's a lot to be said for that. Um, you're, you're exactly right. Um, here's one, Cindy, I'm going to give to you because I know that you talk about this a lot. How do you hit the ball straight every time? Well, you need to know what the face is doing. And again, mm-hmm. It's like now is the off season, so it's time to reflect, you know, what did I do all summer or all year, and what do I want to work on? Again, if you're in, in North America, it's an off season. Uh, well, unless you're in Florida, I guess I should say. But for tournament golf for the summer, it's over with. So what can I do right. to work on my game to make sure I hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose? And I am making my students start with tiny little swings, and they have to hit it straight in the air 10 yards. Because if you can't hit it straight in the air 10 yards, you can't hit it straight in the air 250. So it's a small swing. It's knowing that your hands, wrists, and arms, and your your arms swing, and the body follows, in my opinion. And if the club goes down to the ground and the face is square, the ball is going to go up and going to go in the air straight. Um, so I guess what you need to do is know why you hit it fat, why you hit it thin, why you hit it left, and why you hit it right. And if you can understand all those things, then you can definitely hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. And oh, by the way, go to learntohitakit.com to learn how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a great, that was a fantastic uh, segue. Like that one. Was that good? That was perfect. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't have done that better myself. That was that was beautiful. I love the way you did that. Um, let, let's just talk about one for, and you're exactly right. I don't even need to add on to, to what you just said. That was just perfect. I'm not, I'm not going to ruin your moment. Um, let's uh, just very quickly, um, Cindy, just answer this last question and, and your thoughts. Um, 
you know, this is something that obviously not everybody's going to fall into. This is, uh, but, but we can kind of edit it down a little bit. How do you keep focus for four days of tournament? You know, Cindy, you've been out there on the tour and you've played and, and it's, I'm sure it's not easy. You've got a lot at stake. What do you do to calm the nerves while you're out there? Cause that's, that's a long time. You know, one round's bad enough, but you got to get out there for three or four rounds, let's say uh, in, in, in a given tournament. Um, what do you do to keep yourself focused and what do you do to keep yourself, uh, the nerves from getting out of hand and, and, you know, creeping in there and affecting your, your game? Well, you need to know what you're doing, number one. And it's funny that one of the best lessons in this I ever heard was from Lynn Marriott and Pia Nelson about Annika. And Annika was leading the U.S. Open in pine needles and she was about to tee off on the la- in the last round. And she asked her caddy to go get Pia. I think it was Pia. I think Lynn was walking down the fairway. It was one or the other. It doesn't matter, but the point is this. She said, I can't play today. And she said, what do you mean you can't play today? She goes, oh, my God, I'm going to throw up. I'm so nervous. I can't do this. I'm scared to death. And, and Pia said to her, um, Annika, how long does your pre-shot routine take? She says, 35 seconds. Okay. She says, do you think you could focus for 35 seconds? Well, maybe. She goes, what, what's your scoring average? 70. So in the next four and a half hours, all you have to do is focus for 35 seconds 70 times. So it's really only about 30 minutes, right? So right. when it's time to hit a shot, are you able to do your pre-shot routine, really focus on the task at hand, and then you can go on vacation? She said, aren't you buying a new house? Yeah. Well, aren't you fixing the kitchen up? Yeah. Well, in between the shots, why don't you figure out how you're going to plan your new kitchen and what you're going to put in there and what kind of meals you're going to make. And then when it's time to focus, shift states, go back to your pre-shot routine and then go back on vacation and fix up your kitchen. Can you do that today? Right. Well, yeah, I can do that. And she said, okay, go have some fun. And she won the U S open. So it's not really focusing for four wow. days, but, but the catch is you have to do in the, you have to do the pre-work to know what's my 35 second pre-shot routine on all kinds of shots that I'm going to have to hit in the U S open. And right. I can't do anything about, you know, Oh, you know, I shouldn't have had a double bogey there or I got to be careful and play this hole because I don't like this hole. You can't go there. You have to really control. It's mind management and thought control is what it is. And you have to know what your pre-shot routine is. And, and then you, because you can't control it. If we could, we'd all shoot, you know, 62 every time we play. Yeah, and, and that, that's what a great piece of advice too, Cindy, that, you know, that she gave Annika because that is so true. I think this is one of the problems with a lot of our amateur golfers out there is when they're playing in, you know, maybe a, a, a company event or their club championship maybe, and they get in there and instead of focusing on the tasks at hand, they're thinking about everything else, uh, you know, the bad swing on the last hole or the – you know, the, like you said, the, the bogey or double bogey they shot three holes ago, and that just sort of carries with them through the whole round of, of golf. And by the time they get to 18, they're so mentally fatigued and worn out and depressed that they're debating on whether they want to play a next year's tournament because they've just shot the worst round of their life. And it's because they're bringing, it's like we talked about earlier, it's like going to the airport, lugging all that baggage into the <laughs> checkout. You know, they're, they're just bringing all, you know, I mean, it's true. Come on. They're, they're bringing all those bags and you know how much we hate doing that. So 
um, maybe just take a piece of carry on and, and, uh, and just, you know, think of it that way. Um, well, let's bring in the conversation. Uh, well, I got to just tell you, patient. you know what? Yeah, go ahead. I, I, go ahead. I got to tell you that you're absolutely right on the money. And again, if people, people need to fail their way forward. So yes. I'm laughing because I have done exactly what you just said. So I'm busted. Yep. And I believe all of us who oh. learn to play competitive golf, we have to laugh at ourselves every once in a while to say, wow, I have tried too hard. I have done everything wrong. I can possibly do wrong. Now let's try to fix it. So, right. And every, yeah, everybody, everybody I'm sure has done that. Um, you know, from the best golfers down to the rest of us out here. Um, you know, there's always times when, pardon me, when things are just not going to go, uh, the way that you want, excuse me for one moment. Um, and and you you have to stay focused in the moment. That was some great advice that that Annika was given. All right, well let's uh, have our, our our guest this morning join us in the conversation. Uh, of course, she was on a couple of weeks ago. Nancy Henderson, uh, the president of the LPJ Foundation and chief teaching officer of the LPJ Teaching and Club Professional Membership, uh, and she's somebody that knows how to keep it together. She's a two-time U.S. Open participant, and her playing accomplishments include uh, more than 300 tournament victories and 13 holes in one. Let's bring on our very special guest, Cindy, uh, Nancy Henderson. Good morning. Good morning. How are both of you today? We're doing great. We're doing fantastic. Nancy, let me just ask you a real quick question before we go on, and then, Cindy, you can go ahead and we'll start into uh, what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, You obviously heard the last little bit. Um, I'm sure you heard Cindy's uh, story about Annika Sorenstam. Um, you've obviously been in a ton of tournaments in, in your career thus far. What were things when you were going in and having to play three or four uh, rounds in a tournament? What did you do? Did you do something similar uh, to keep yourself focused? Uh, how did you prevent yourself from getting sort of bogged down with all kinds of thought uh, impressions coming in your head? What did you do when you were playing uh, in a tournament to, to keep things uh, on narrow? Yeah, you know, from a very early age, I mean, I started playing when I was eight, and I was fortunate enough to have a um, great golf coach who, who not only taught me how to swing, but taught me how to compete. And one of the things that really helped me was I had my own trigger that um, when I pulled the golf club out of the bag, that was when I went into, um, you know, okay, I'm focused on this shot, I'm focused on the shot at hand, and that was like the go trigger. And, um, you know, you had that kind of area where you visualize the shot, and then when you stepped over it, it was a very specific routine. And I think the more you can get good at having that trigger, having that, okay, I'm in go mode now, um, it allows your brain to turn off in between. Because especially playing at a competitive level where there's a lot of time between shots, um, if you're mm-hmm. constantly focusing, then you, you do have that fatigue. So, you know, being able to, I'm not the most chatty person, um, so I was never the person that would, like, be talking a lot with my fellow competitors. But um, I would be, you know, as Cindy said, I'd be thinking about what I wanted to make that night for dinner. So get your mind going on something other than golf. Yeah, that's a great, uh, great answer. And, and you know, um, Cindy, I know you've had to do that as well out on the golf course. You know, you've had to sort of take yourself out of the moment. You've hit the shot. You've maybe got, uh, you know, 100 or so yards to, to walk up to the ball again. And you've you've got to sort of clear your mind and not allow it to to clutter uh, with with thoughts of okay gosh I just hit a, a terrible shot or 
you know, that last hole to sort of really, you know, put a damper on the tournament. And, and it's not an easy thing to do. And I think it takes a, a certain amount of discipline. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. But again, you know, what are the consequences of not doing that? We learn by our mistakes. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, uh, and one of the things that, that really helped me was um, I would, you know, based on the start of the round, allow myself um, so many bad shots. So when, when I had one that I was unhappy with, I would say, okay, well, that's one. Um, and it was like I knew going in I wasn't going to hit every shot perfect. Um, and, and it allowed me to not um, react to it. And that really helped me out a lot too because, you know, in an 18-hole round of golf, how many how many shots are you going to hit that you're not going to like? Well, if it's one a hole, um, okay, there's going to be 18. And, and when I get to 19, okay, then I have an, an opportunity at that point to maybe get frustrated. But up until that, just right. understand that it's part of golf and, and they're not going to be perfect. And if you don't react to them, you have a much better chance of hitting that next shot um, in, a, in, a, in a positive way. Well said. Um, all right, Cindy, go ahead and, and start our, our conversation uh, this morning with, with Nancy. And uh, we're going to talk about some girls uh, golf and, and uh, young ladies that are fast uh, coming into the game. So let's talk a little bit about that. Nancy, you're the uh, director or the CEO of the LPGA Foundation. And girls are the fastest growing segment in golf. And why do you think that is? Yeah, it's really um, an exciting time for girls in golf, and and actually, hopefully, that'll equate to to women in golf. You know, for about a hundred years, junior golf has kind of matched adult golf. Seventeen percent were female; the balance were male. So now, for the first time, we have about one third, about thirty three percent of all juniors who play are, are girls. And you know, what wow. we found, at least in our LPGA USGA girls golf programming, is if you keep girls in a girls only environment, um, they tend to thrive. And Cindy, you probably were the same way you, when you took up the game as I was. My very first junior clinic, there were 10 participants. Eight were boys, two were girls. Week one, I was there with the other little girl. Week two, it was just me. You know, if that girl wanted to play and stuck it out to beat the boys, um, those were the competitive girls that played to compete. And the other girls who were just in it to play were intimidated by the boys. So what we've done in girls' golf is created an all-girls environment that not only teaches girls the game of golf, but does it in a way that is specific to girls. And and we get to teach them um, life lessons through golf and connect them with the tour and um, really create role models in their LPGA instructors who teach those programs. So um, it's been a great time for, for girls in golf, and I think one of our keys is keeping them in that girls-only environment. I totally agree. Can I, I have to shift states here for a minute because I know that we are now, because I'm an LPGA Girls Golf Site Director in Buffalo, but I also know that we are now have a partnership with the Positive Coaching Alliance. And we the email the other day had a message from them that was awesome. So can you share what that is and how it works? Well, I would love for you to explain it because I'm not sure right now I could do that very well. Well, it, it, again, being a top 50 U.S. kids golf instructor, part of that um, certification is becoming certified with the Positive Coaching Alliance. And the Positive Coaching Alliance has all sports, and 
if you are a positive coach, you believe that, you know, putting in effort and not necessarily winning is just as important and that you need to be pleased with yourself and give yourself a pat on the back, even if you don't win. And I, I just totally believe that because in golf, only one person gets to win and we lose more than we win. So I'm thrilled that we now have a partnership with the Positive Coaching Alliance. So thank you. Oh, no problem. We are too. And I think, you know, to that extent, um, you know, how you view performance and that there is no such thing as failure. I think a lot of times um, that's why we see um, girls and boys um, dropping out of sports at that age of about 14 because they're like, oh, I'm really not good enough. I'm not winning. And, you know, girls um, and boys, they, they, um, really develop at different ages and you know if you give up too soon because you don't think you're good enough well what is good enough and you know golf is a life sport that you can enjoy for the rest of your life and you may be a 20 handicapper and as a 20 handicapper you can still enjoy and play and and have a great pastime that gets you outside and exercise and all the other benefits that come along with golf absolutely so thank you nancy let me ask Mm -hmm. Yeah, Nancy, let, let me ask you a question, uh, getting back to girls' golf for a second. Um, you know, you've explained really some of the differences uh, with compared to other junior programs and that. And something that I think a lot of parents or, or maybe uh, other individuals that m- might be interested in, in getting involved in a girls' golf program that, that, you know, like Cindy's that's up in Buffalo or maybe another part of the country, what can they do um, – or how can they become maybe a volunteer and, and help foster these programs? What, what can they contribute to, to the program as, as a volunteer? Sure. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can get involved in girls golf. We have about 480 programs across the country. So you can go on to um, girlsgolf.org and click on the find a program and enter your zip code and it'll tell you where there's a program um, near you and it'll have that site directors like it would have Cindy's contact information. And, um, you know, we need volunteers um, to support our programs, both you know, in their time, donating their time and and making a difference to those girls and also, you know, really donating to the program. There's a lot of people who, you know, maybe don't want to spend, you know, the couple hours with the girls and and may prefer to make a financial donation. And then, of course, we have a lot of um, even um, older girls who stay in the program um, to help the younger girls and, and they're incredible role models. They actually do that for their community service hours that are now required um, for those older girls. So um, it's it's really easy to find a program and it uh, certainly makes a big difference to uh, to the site director to have those volunteers supporting them. So if somebody wanted yeah. to donate to the girls' golf, how would they do that? They would go to um, either lpga.com, right at the top right, there's a big pink donate button, or you can go to girlsgolf.org and click on donate. And um, you can donate to Girls Golf nationally, you can donate to our scholarship fund, um, or you can also donate to a particular program. Awesome. Wow, that's fin- that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I like that. And, you know, I like, it, Nancy, that you, you kind of touched on how some of the older girls that maybe have gone through the program uh, can really – become a mentor to some of these younger girls up and because you know it, it's hard enough sometimes when you're taking on a new task whatever it is but it's kind of makes it a little bit easier when somebody can kind of be there to help show you the way through a little bit and and offer some advice and some guidance so this 
is a great way for some of these younger girls to be able to have somebody, a good role, positive role model, model, excuse me, uh, to look up to. And I think that's a fantastic way to, uh, to run the program. Um, I want to ask you also, um, obviously, as you mentioned, there's over 400 of these programs all across uh, here, the United States. And I'm sure there's been some great players that have come out of these uh, uh, girls golf uh, programs. Can you maybe share some of those folks that have gone through the uh, the program and, and that have gone on to even bigger and better things? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, at, at the end of this year, we'll have about 70,000 girls engaged in our girls golf program. So we have girls of all skill levels who participate in girls golf. Um, you know, the primary purpose is not to elevate them necessarily to the highest level, but we certainly have had success in that area. We've had more than 45 of our girls golf alumni who have uh, moved on to compete on either the LPGA or the, the Symmetra Tour, which is the developmental tour of the um, the LPGA. And um, we have uh, what we call our um, 5E ambassadors. We have um, a person who basically has agreed to sign on to represent um, girls golf. So a great example of that is Brittany Lincecombe. Um, Brittany is our mm-hmm. Empower ambassador and was an alumni of our program. So she not only um, believes in girls golf, but donates her time um, to give back and to represent and, and to participate in girls golf activities throughout the year. So we have a lot of uh, players who are that way and who have contributed. Uh, Morgan Pressel, for instance, came through our girls golf program. Cheyenne Woods did. So there's a there's quite a few that have um, made it to the LPGA tour who um, have benefited from girls golf and, and that kind of positive all girls environment. That's fantastic. Is there also in the program, uh, Nancy, you know, some, just maybe you can explain some of the things that they're being taught in the program as far as, you know, because obviously everybody that goes through there is not going to end up, uh, whether it be in the Symmetra Tour or even on the LPGA Tour, um, that may not even be their goal. What are some other things and other benefits of going through a program like this? It, you know, maybe in future business development, is there opportunities that they're expressed through the program that can help maybe some young entrepreneurs uh, use golf uh, in, in their business life later on? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, I'll give you an example of that. Uh, I said Brittany Lincecum is our Empower Ambassador. So first and foremost, um, there's kind of three different components to our girls' golf programming. There's the teaching of the skill. So um, it might be an Empower Day. So you learn about a Brittany Lincecum and how she's one of the longest hitters on the tour and what Empower means. And then, you know, Cindy would be out there, you know, working with their driver swings and, and how to hit the ball further. So they learn the, the tour player component. They get that positive role model. They learn what Empower means. They learn the skill of how to hit the ball further. And then we add the to me, one of the most important components, which is the fun component. And that's um, something fun they get to do um, that's an activity and um, might be hitting a water balloon. It might be, um, you know, decorating a cupcake. But they basically are empowered and learn what that word means um, to make choices and to take risks and to um, kind of go for things that as young girls, it's not always easy to do. So those life skills um, that we researched – 
um, will really help girls down the road when they have an opportunity um, to maybe be in a business setting, um, to be empowered to speak up or to speak their mind or to be their own unique individual self. And those are the kind of things we teach through golf. So um, that connection um, of, of those life skills that are specific to girls is really key to, uh, to our programming. Fantastic. What's the age range traditionally in the girls' golf program? Is there um, an age range for participating in the programs? There is. We say the age um, really from 7 to 17. Um, that's kind of our desired mm-hmm. range. In some cases, we have some that um, site directors who are willing to start them younger. Um, the majority of our girls kind of go up to that 12 or 13 age range. And then, as I said, the older girls tend to stay and, and become kind of mentors to the younger girls in the programming. And um, a lot of our sites, if there are larger sites, do um, group them not only by age but also by skill level. So, um, you know, you could still keep the older girls with the older girls and give them more of an on-play, on-course play component. And then, of course, when you're dealing with the six- and seven-year-olds, it's a, it's a much different um, lesson plan that you're developing as an instructor. Fantastic. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Tell us about the LPGA Women's Golf Network. I would love to. You know, I think we've, um, over the years, the LPGA has been kind of focused on women's professional golf. You know, our mission, we were started by 13 women who wanted to turn their passion for golf into their golf career. And, um, you know, we're focused on providing the opportunity um, for women to pursue their dreams through golf, which you as a are a great example of that, Cindy, going through our certification, playing on tour, and really being able to combine your passion for golf into your golf career. And, you know, we've done our bit with our with our girls' golf program, getting those from 7 to 17, and um, now we are in a position where um, we can focus more on that female amateur golfer, that woman golfer who really um, – is the minority in many cases in in their play on the course with the groups that they're in with the business they play. So we've created this online community for women and it's lpgawn.com um and you can go online it's free to join and there's great instructional tips, there's discounts on equipment, there's features on places to play, there's a community piece that's coming in the new year that'll allow you to connect with other women if you're traveling or if you just want to find someone new to play with. So so, you know, our goal is to create that same kind of all-women's space that we did with Girls Golf and what we've done with the tour um, for women amateur golfers. And we're excited about it, and um, it's taken off uh, quite well and, and are um, really um, committed to being the voice or helping communicate the voice of women in golf um, because, as we know, Cindy, um, there's power and in invitation, and we want more women to invite other women to play. And to feel comfortable doing so. Exactly. In a safe place. So tell our our listeners how they could go join the uh, LPGA Women's Network. LPGAWN.com. And when you go on the page, there's a button that says join. And uh, that allows you to get into our member perks section. That allows you to get our um, bi-monthly newsletter if you choose to do so. It just came out yesterday. There was a great tip, for instance, in there that Ann Kane gave um, showing Brooke Henderson hitting her shot into the KPMG Women's PGA Championship when she won and and how you can control your pitch shots and what she did well. And, um, you know, it's, it's that combination of, you know, that tour player and then that 
you know, how can I as a as a female golfer learn from that and make my own pitching better? So, and of course, it ties in one of our great teachers in in Incane. So, those have been uh, the kind of things we're doing through our network. Awesome, awesome, well, that's, awesome, awesome. Yeah, that's fan- that's fantastic. Um, Nancy, you you know as well as we do that there are, have been a lot of changes in golf over the years. Um, you know, we hear a lot of talk about the future of the game. In your mind, based on your experiences as a player uh, and now as somebody, as a business professional in the industry, um, what are some of the things that you would like to see? If you could think of it, one thing that, about the future of the game that you would like to change or you would like it to be, um, where would you like to see the, the game grow from here? Well, I'm not sure I can stop at one, so maybe I'll give you two or three. Um, I think okay. some of the success we're having with, um, even just with girls golf, is making the game fun. And I think we have to um, add that fun component a little bit back into the game. And I think, um, you know, some of the changes that the USGA is proposing to the rules and, um, you know, I think the industry is realizing that we do have to shift and change and, and make golf just a little bit more um, current without losing the the traditions of the game. So um, that that's kind of one thing I'll say, and I think um, the industry as a whole is is kind of working toward that. And you know, um, you know this, and I think even organizations like a Top Golf have, you know, um, it introduced golf to a lot of people in a very fun environment. I mean, it's basically where you can eat and drink, and everybody can hit, and all skill levels can participate with different games, competing against the group or yourself. Or, I mean, it it's just I think starting to kind of move. Um, in a direction, and then it's the industry's um, obligation to take that person now who's experienced top golf and to move them on to the golf course itself and somehow kind of maintain that um, it's okay fun rules to allow them to um, enjoy the game. My second thing that I always like to talk about when given the opportunity is the fact that golf courses are too long and too hard for the average person. And, um, you know, let's face it, we as golf professionals are teaching people, um, and we're a professional for a reason, that um, ability to play the game at the highest level, our hand-eye coordination, our athletic ability, our, our focus, whatever, a lot of our students don't have. So I think what we do from an LPGA perspective is we try to get our instructors to get in the shoes of that student, meaning, you know, we would encourage Cindy to go out and play left-handed. How do you feel on the range when you're trying to hit the ball left-handed? How do you think those other people are looking at you? Um, If Cindy went out and played left-handed, you know, a par five is going to be a lot longer than it is from her the other way around, and it's not going to be as much fun. So I think the more we can kind of as professionals in the industry put ourselves in the shoes of that student that's on the tee, that person that we interact with, um, just trying to make it uh, more fun for them, whether it be by making the course shorter, whether it be by just giving them the it's okay rules to, you know, you don't always have to play out every shot all the way around for 18 holes. Make it fun. Make it enjoyable. Do whatever it takes. You know, if it's a scramble on the back nine, if you're getting tired, it's it's okay to make those decisions and to come back the next day with a much positive attitude than um, really torturing yourself out there sometimes. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think a lot of people, Nancy, I think focus on the number. I think that's a great way to, to kind of mix it up and mm-hmm. change it, not focus on 
um, you know, what you're scoring all the time. And, and I think that that creates a lot of anxiety for, especially for some of our amateurs out there that are, you know, gosh, I, I, I can't break 90 and, and they just get so frustrated and the, you know, they're out there taking lessons and, and trying their best and it just doesn't happen and they're just losing interest or losing fun. And uh, I think you're right. I think you have to mix it up. And I think you're, you're exactly right in your point about the courses being long. I'd like to see more, you know, we always see all this new development uh, going on all over the world, not just here in the United States. Um, I'd like to see more um, executive style courses. By that, I mean, you know, uh, shorter courses, but um, even just par three courses that people can go and know that they can reach the green and, and not have to feel intimidated or, or, or you know, uncomfortable, uh, you know, trying to monster hole that's 550 yards. Um, you know, I think that would be a little easier too and accessible for, for some of our uh, amateur uh, players. Uh, your, your thoughts, Cindy? I just, I totally agree with you. I think people need to have more fun. I think there needs to be more short courses. And I think with more short courses, people would be able to play golf in less time and enjoy themselves more. I, you know, I just believe that golf is hard and it takes a lot of time and, and we need to make it more accessible. You're exactly right. I think that, um, you know, as, as Nancy pointed out, you know, as you pointed out, Nancy, you know, we don't have to give up all of the traditions and that, but we do have to be, um, make golf, golf a lot more modern uh, and sort of keep up the times as many other industries have. And I think that you guys uh, at the LPGA and uh, through that entire organization are certainly, in my opinion, spearheading a lot of the changes um, for the better uh, for the industry in general. So hats off to you, Nancy, and, and all of your fellow uh, uh, ladies in the, in the LPGA uh, community. I think you guys do a great job. Um, any final thoughts, Nancy, you want to share with the audience before we let you go? Um, no, I just appreciate you all, you know, having me on and, and talking about, you know, some of the things that the LPGA has going on. And, um, you know, for me, I got into golf because of, uh, you know, I had Nancy Lopez as my role model. And, um, you know, it, it, it made me want to play. So I think the more we can get female role models, the more people we can get, you know, kind of trying the game, um, the healthier the industry will be. So, you know, just thank you for giving me the opportunity to, uh, to share today. Thank you you so much for being on and everything you do for us. We really appreciate it. All right, Cindy. Have a great day. Thanks. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right. That was our very special guest, Nancy Henderson, uh, president of the LPGA Foundation. And uh, some great things, Cindy. I mean, they're just really doing uh, throughout the whole, as I said, throughout the whole LPGA organization, um, so many great things that you do to help grow the game as well. And we appreciate that. just uh, can't emphasize enough just all the wonderful things that you guys do out there uh, to help this game. Uh, Cindy, one more time, just to let the folks know if they want to improve their game, how they can go about doing that by uh, getting a great uh, gift, if you will, uh, for their loved one and improving their game. Go ahead. Go to learntohititkit.com. Uh, the kit comes with a portable mat and foam golf balls. The Golf 101 book, a coupon for 10% off any Callaway club, a 10-module online course with eight downloadable PDFs, 
to make sure that you understand how to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. You can do this in your backyard, your living room, or your front porch. Mm-hmm. And you can try if you're traveling, Cindy. You can even do that. Uh, uh, so there's no excuse for uh, getting better. Uh, Cindy has put a great uh, a great product together that can help you no matter where you are uh, in life and where you are uh, in your game. So there's no excuse. Go to learn to hit it uh, com and you can get uh, your hot little hands on one. It makes a great boy with Christmas just around the corner. What a great gift you can give uh, that loved one. Uh, so go to learn to hit a kit. Um, learn to hit it kit.com. Um, thank you, Cindy, as always. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And Cindy and I want to take this opportunity, as always, to thank um, all of the listeners out there worldwide for faithfully tuning in. We also want to thank uh, the many guests that have come on the show. We're uh, getting close to winding down the 2017 season. We look forward to coming back in 2018 as well. Uh, we'll let you know the final dates uh, for this year uh, coming up in the in the weeks to come. But make sure you tune in next week uh, here on the Women of Golf Show. We'll have another great guest and some more interesting topics to discuss as well as we continue our efforts to help grow this game. Thanks, everybody. God bless. And, Cindy, as always, it's a pleasure. Uh, we'll see you next week on the Women of Golf. Thanks. Thanks, Ted. Have a great week. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye.